More than 4.4 billion quizzes have been played on Sporkle. Ready to play? Welcome to Textonation. I'm Fred Fishkin. Joining us is Sporkle founder Matt Ramey and CEO Ali Idar. Thanks for taking the time, Matt and Ali. Thanks for having us. Done in tandem. I like that. <laughs> so for the uninitiated, Ali, maybe we'll let you go first here. Give us the overview of what Sporkle is. So Sporkle is a media and entertainment company focused on trivia. Uh, our flagship product is our website uh, operating at Sporkle.com, which is a user-generated trivia quiz platform. There have been over a million quizzes created by users uh, that have been played over 4.4 billion times. Uh, and then offline, we operate uh, Sporkle branded pub trivia quizzes in bars and restaurants across the United States. We have, uh, we, we operate about 500 live trivia events per week. Uh, and we've been doing that for about nine years now. Wow. Matt, how did this come about? I, uh... I mean, it, it, so let's see. I was a big fan of um, playing, playing, doing crosswords, watching Jeopardy. Uh, my wife and I would play, do play with the crosswords together, play New York Times, uh, and we would kind of work on it together. And a lot of it for me was, uh, you know, she tended to be better at a lot of figuring out a lot of the answers. Um, my strengths were a little bit in the sports and, and, and in geography, uh, and she covered most of the other stuff. And so uh, while we were doing that, I, my kind of, I was trying to, you know, get better hold of my own. And so part of me was to be even better and, and learn the things that I could, that could, could hold up. And so hence learning all the geography, learning history, you know, presidents, there's a lot of stuff, whether it's Jeopardy or the crosswords, there's a lot of the sort of same, similar kinds of information in trivia that come out. If you know that information, you can, um, you know, you can, you can do well and you can get some answers. So I set out to help myself learn that. And I did it with just using flashcards, piece of paper, front and back, looking at answers and trying to just, you know, memorize things like capitals of the states and and which presidents and and you know which order um and as i did that i i kind of was like you know this is this is in 2006 2007 around there um i went online and figured well there must be a way that i can do this this is easier than than just using pieces of paper um and so i went looking for a solution that would help me continue to like learn this kind of information. And I, I didn't really find anything I liked. Uh, half the stuff I found was wrong and the other half just wasn't fun to play. So uh, I basically decided to build something myself that would, I could use to help myself learn stuff like this, this kind of trivia knowledge. Uh, and, and, so, you know, as the story goes, I, I had put the, made the first quiz that was me learning the presidents and you just type out the president's order and I kind of put it out there for the internet to see and the internet said, yeah, I like that too. Uh, and then we just did it a lot more times. 
So that's kind of the short answer. It really <laughs> accelerates there at the end, but but really it was it was it was born out of my own desire to learn some of this kind of information, um, and then because others had a similar interest, uh, I kept creating more and more, and then eventually, you know, she had get the users. So are, are you better than your wife now? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, but I, I do know a lot. This definitely has improved significantly this, the subset of data that I, that I do know about um, and has made me, and even now when something comes up, you know, she'll come to me for any geography thing. And I tend to know it much better than I did at the time. So I, I still haven't, uh, uh, haven't, haven't caught up with her, some of the other subjects that she's better at, but, um, but I at least hold my own with the stuff that I know. So have you tried to go uh, with what you've learned uh, on, on a show like Jeopardy? Uh, I haven't. I, I have actually, I've taken the Jeopardy um, intro test once or twice. And my problem is uh, an issue of speed. So to be able to be good on Jeopardy and those things, you have to not only know the answer, but know it in like a second or less. And I found that my my ability to recall information that quickly is not great. Sometimes I need a minute, which isn't very good for a game show setting. So not only know it, but you need to be able to push the buzzer before the next person, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. So, so but uh, Ali, I understand that the that quite a few Jeopardy champions, or a number of them anyway, have been fans of Sporkle, have used it. Yeah, we've we've been uh, we've been told by several Jeopardy champions that Sporkle was a important part of their preparation to be on Jeopardy. Uh, we even have a multi-time Jeopardy champion on our staff. And um, he has also uh, he's also told us that uh, without Sporkle, he would not have been able to do as well as he did on on Jeopardy. So it you, is you a, can do some name dropping here. It's okay. Um, okay. Well, uh, so uh, the person on our staff is Jason Sterlocky. The uh, more prominent person is that that has talked about using Sporkle is Austin Rogers, who was a twelve time Jeopardy champ. Uh, so there, there have been there, there have been some others as well. So those are kind of the two big ones, and some other celebrities besides those on Jeopardy have, have talked about Sporkle, right? Yeah, we uh, so Ray Romano talked about um, knowing countries and capitals and flags uh, once when he was on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, uh, who else helped me out, Matt? Who else? Yeah, I just heard another. There was a podcast that. Uh, oh yeah, the Rob Lowe, Rob Rob Lowe on his podcast talked about talks about Sporkle. So they're and all the it, yeah the Parks and Rec. I think folks they would get together and and have like Sporkle, uh, you know, competitions amongst them when they were in between in between shooting and such. So. Well, if we've wet the appetite of, of some more potential players here, give us the overview of how they how they get into it. What's what's the process here? Uh, is there subscription involved, et cetera? Matt, you want to take? That uh, I mean, you know, 
everything is free, really. You come to the website at sporkle.com and you can play anything you want. You can, once you play lots of quizzes, you know, again, we have quizzes in lots of different formats. There's multiple choice, fill in the blank, clicking ones, pictures, not. And then, but then everything you see has been, or yeah, basically everything you see has been created by users. So we give users the tools. If they go in there and they say, hey, I want to learn some other thing that I can't find on your site, which is hard because we have, as Ali said, millions of quizzes. So um, it would be impressive, but yet people still do. They create new things all the time. And so, yeah, you can just create an account and you can create your own quizzes that you can let others be challenged by. And so um, it, it's, yeah, I don't know, Ollie, do you have a... It's, it's easy and straightforward to get started. Just sporkle.com, S-P-O-R-C-L-E.com and find a quiz you like and, and you'll get into it pretty quickly. But this is a business for you. So tell, tell us about the business side, where the income uh, comes from. Uh, so it's, so there, there are a uh, few business models uh, attached to Sporkle. On the digital side, it's, uh, it's uh, primarily advertising on the website, along with a subscription service for, uh, for those diehard Sporkle users who want to enjoy an ad-free experience and one with uh, more bells and whistles in terms of feature set. Uh, so those are the two business models on the website. And then for our pub trivia business, uh, bars and restaurants pay us to, uh, to um, attract patronage to, to their bars. So we're paid directly by those businesses. Uh, and then we also have, um, uh, as part of our pub trivia business, uh, that really start to, to grow during the pandemic, uh, what is um, doing pub trivia events for corporate clients. So as, uh, as employees became remote during the pandemic and have stayed remote, uh, we, we do um, these types of events to keep remote employees connected with each other um, and, and give them a way of of still having that ability to get that human connection that they no longer have because they're not in an office together. Social atmosphere, I guess, uh, re remotely, right? Yes, exactly. So tell us uh, in terms of the, uh, you mentioned the pandemic, what the impact has been on, on your business. Has it been good? Because a lot of people have been playing more games um, and, uh, how can people set up to play with friends or loved ones? So uh, the pandemic pandemic was quite a challenge for us. Uh, the the there was certainly during the height of the lockdowns a surge of traffic on our website. So from that perspective, it was good. There was a lot of people sitting at home. We were able to entertain them um, while they were at home. However, our pub trivia business struggled because all bars and restaurants and retail locations were, were shuttered. And so we, we went from operating 750 shows per week to zero. So that was uh, uh, quite a challenge to overcome as a business. We pivoted 
to doing our uh, uh, shows virtually uh, during the pandemic. And we still have a small virtual operation going every night um, where, where we play uh, 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 trivia shows over Zoom. Uh, and then what happened after a few weeks into the pandemic is we started getting these corporate clients and that's where things really started to pick up. And so from that perspective, uh, the pandemic ended up opening up this opportunity for us. Uh, so the, the corporate along with the virtual uh, was, uh, were two opportunities that we were able to capitalize on that, that opened up as a result of the pandemic. Uh, and uh, the, the virtual events were really compelling to your question about family and friends and loved ones because people weren't able to be in touch or be able to travel to family as much anymore. Our virtual uh, offerings were, uh, were part of what people used to replace actual um, high touch family occasions. So people would play virtual trivia on our platform to, uh, to uh, keep in touch and keep connected with family. And again, we still offer that. You just go to sporkle.com slash virtual and we have virtual uh, shows uh, every day of the week that allow people to connect with each other through this platform. And that's a, that's a, that goes on live? That goes on live, yep. It's live, it's hosted, and it's entertaining. It's good fun. So Matt, tell, tell me where you want this to go from, from here. Uh, we're, we're obviously to some extent, at least hopefully keep my fingers crossed, knock on wood and everything else coming out of the pandemic stuff. But uh, where are we going from here with Sporkle? Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we have all this, this, as I said, the virtual and the pubs, we kind of have this offline world uh, of playing pub trivia and playing with friends. And then there's the whole website where people uh, can play there and connect and play trivia. I think what, what we're really, you know, obviously just making those products better, but I think what we're really trying to also do is just have the Sporkle uh, sort of brand and name be just more in more places, right? Like most recently, people playing Sporkle on TikTok has got off because has been really uh, growing a lot recently. And so while it's a kind of a short form platform, it's a way where people can can sort of show their knowledge again and 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 uh, interact kind of differently than they had as well. So I think whether it's that and then honestly, you know, whether we get to something like TV game show, I think we just we have a lot of aspirations of of adding more ways where people can can experience the sporkle feeling in different places beyond just the website and bars. So who came up with the name? Uh, I did. And tell me the process. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I've actually gone back a few times and tried to, cause it's, you know, not the first time I've been asked about it and I've tried to kind of recapture what helped me come up with the name and it, and it's a little tricky, obviously. So it, it was originally, um, I, the, I built a site 
at first it wasn't trivia. So the Sporkle website I created first, um, basically just to create a website, I had done sort of application development in the past and I wanted to create a website and, and play in kind of that world. And so the first thing that I started to work on and that was a sort of, uh, I, to, I don't know, sports prediction, which is that, you know, letting users go in and, and choose who might win games. Not in, obviously now things like, you know, uh, there's a lot of sports gambling that's happening now. And so there was no gambling aspect to it at the time, but it was just a way for people to go in kind of like the March Madness where people filled their bracket. It was a way to, for people to do that, to do more of that. Um, and so the, really the, the closest that I can recall the name was kind of a conglomeration of the word sports and Oracle. So that's the closest that you get to where exactly, how exactly I came up with that and that it was available. And I don't, I've kind of tried to figure out, but that's, it just sounded right. And so I, I made the name and then when I actually pivoted to the trivia, everybody just really liked the name. So we, we just kind of kept it because everybody had a really positive association with it. And, um, and it kind of, I, I do like that. It's sort of, doesn't sound like anything in particular. Um, so it doesn't have, it doesn't, it isn't a thing. It's kind of its own thing, which I kind of liked. Yeah, it's got some sparkle. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and, right, we, we like the, I'll tell you why I like the name now uh, so many years in is it's become a verb. If you go to, if you just sort of follow what, people are saying about Sporkle on Twitter and how they use the word. Sporkle has become a verb that describes playing a Sporkle quiz and, and um, or describing a, a Sporkle quiz. People will say, oh, there's a Sporkle for that, right? Or let's go Sporkling. So, so uh, the, the name is really started to become part of a cultural zeitgeist. And having it web-based as opposed to, you know, more focused on, on apps, tell us about that strategy and, and how it's worked for you. Yeah. So the, so the challenge with Sporkle is that it, at least the original Sporkle, most of the content was uh, required a keyboard and, and since a lot of the content is timed, it's much easier to play on desktop. Uh, it's, a, it's a cleaner experience. Over the years, we've made it much easier to play on mobile, but initially it was such a desktop focused thing that we really focused on desktop. Uh, mobile continues to be, and, and getting, getting a mobile app experience that is compelling for users is part of our where I see our near future going, um, but the 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 strategy was driven by the the way in which the content was much easier to engage with on the desktop, and then also the creation of quizzes and the tools required to create quizzes again 
much easier to do on the desktop. Uh, Sporkle was founded before, before the iPhone. And so, um, so the tools and feature sets were all optimized for the desktop. And as, as we build out those tools over the years, the complexity of, of building quizzes and whatnot just are so much easier and cleaner on, on the desktop. And, and that's why it's evolved that way. What, right. about, what about the issue of vetting this user-created content uh, to avoid gunfights? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so here's the position we take on it, Fred. Anybody could come and create any content they want. And uh, we're not gonna check every single quiz. Um, the quiz is theirs, the, 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 we just provide a platform. However, if we choose to feature that quiz on our homepage, then we take over that quiz and we vet the quiz in detail to make sure that, that it's accurate. So our staff of, of curators verifies the accuracy of the facts in the quiz before we publish it uh, uh, and, and feature it on, on our homepage as, as a premium piece of content. And maintain it going forward too, right? Like, I mean, that's, are those quizzes when the world changes, right? That's, that's definitely a tricky thing in, in trivia because stuff changes, countries change, you know, in this time we've added a couple of countries since I first created the quiz about the countries of the world. And so it's, it's kind of this constant and sports things changes, new champions come about. So there's, there's this to keep all of the content up to date is definitely um, uh, a, a Herculean effort put forth by our team of both employees and and uh, contributors uh, and volunteers on the site. Yeah, we we uh, the, the best example of this is if we're not if we're not on top of uh, all the quizzes related to the Super Bowl after a Super Bowl is finished we will start getting complaints within five to 10 minutes after the Super Bowl is finished if we haven't updated certain popular quizzes around Super Bowl champions. And so we're, we're literally on standby updating uh, those quizzes as the world changes. Any favorite anecdotes that, you, that you've heard from, from players about the impact you've had here? I, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, my favorite was when a, uh, somebody created a quiz to propose to their girlfriend marriage. Um, that, I mean, for one, that's to just be a part of someone's story like that is, is a privilege, but then to be, to be that creative and, and utilize our tools to do that, uh, um, was uh it's just it's just we're always amazed by the creativity of our users we put out tools thinking that thinking that our users will do one thing and they do that one thing but then they do the 10 other things that we didn't even contemplate 
because human beings are creative and 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 we we just we just give people tools to unlock that creativity. Well, congratulations on on what you've done with the with the platform, the longevity, and it sounds like it's going to go on for a long time from here. Terrific stuff. Matt and Ali, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Yes, right, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.